Hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. Man, I hope you're keeping cool because dang, it's hot outside. It is sweltering. Like this is the most oppressive heat. And I mean, I live in Louisiana, so you're like, yeah, you should be used to it. Oh, no, 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 no. I am a northern girl who does not enjoy the heat. But what I do enjoy is the fact that more companies are looking and investors are looking into taking commercial real estate and turning it into residential properties. I just so happened to run across a podcast that I watch every single week. It's called This Week in Real Estate. And the host of the show, Ray Ellen, um, actually had a couple guests on where they were talking about it. So then I was like, oh, that's exactly what my live stream is going to be about. So without further ado, I am inviting Ray Ellen onto the show so we can talk about this today. Yay! Hey, hey everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Ray, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, so, thanks for inviting well, me. Yeah, so uh, is it hot in, in Arkansas? It's so bad. Last week was actually, I think, worse because we got the El Nino bit coming through. I don't know if that's still here or not, but it, it we got a little rain and it kind of cooled off for a couple of days. But I think it's, I think it's going to get bad again before we know it. It's the I, humidity I, that's the killer. It's not the heat. I know, I know, and like, like this whole thing. This is one of those things that people are call, talking about the wet bulb the wet bulb measurement. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. What? Okay. So, <laughs> so when, when the humidity is super, super, super high, it's actually more difficult for the human body to sweat. And in order to get that correct measurement to know that, you know, if people should be outside, they do the wet bulb measurement. This has been around forever. This is like, they literally put even soldiers, they'll put them outside and they'll say, here, take this machine out there and it, it has a little uh, cotton thing on the end and then they measure how much humidity is in the air so they know how long people can actually be in the sun outside in this temperature without falling over dead so it's really important for like government agencies to know this too so anyways <laughs> yeah no, i had no idea this was a thing so this, this is, is a how real determine thing the heat index or if we should go outside actually correct correct like when they say you know you shouldn't be out of the sun more than an hour and a half it's because of this wet bulb measurement um, wet so, bulb. yeah, wet bulb, the wet bulb measurement. Yep. It has to do with the humidity in the okay. air. It's a real thing. And so, I just so know that when I, when I leave my house and go outside, my glasses fog, that's how hot it is. Oh, I <laughs> know. Maybe that's how cold my home is. <laughs> well, I, it's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> this is yeah. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. I, what do you keep your air at? Cause you know what the government, um, when I want to be comfortable at 67. Okay. So do you know that the government's like, they say for, you know, in this type of heat, this is what they want you to do to help conserve energy. During the day, they want you to keep your house at 78 degrees. Now, this isn't new. This has been around forever because I remember when I had little kids and I'm like, what is the recommendation to keep your house in the summertime? And I looked no. it up. It was 78 degrees, 78 I'll degrees. Be sweating everywhere. The worst, the worst part about it, the worst is that at nighttime, when you go to bed, they want you to keep your air conditioning on. Guess what? Guess what temperature? I mean, if it's seventy-eight in the in the day, surely it's like what seventy-two at night. God, I mean, that's like no, normal, right? They want it higher. They want it eighty-two degrees no at way. night. I'm uh -uh. like, you are out of your minds. I think in like in, in some places like Arizona, in which it gets actually cold at night and it's one hundred and twenty degrees during the day, I could see something like that being a little bit more appropriate because they would cool off so much in the evening. But it was ninety something degrees here the other night. 
Yeah. That's well, not... they're not even cooling off in the in the evenings in Arizona. They're not. They're staying at in the high nineties at nighttime. Oh, there you go. Can you imagine? A, like no. you're out of your minds. Whoever came up with that recommendation needs to be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what the government recommends. Yeah. Well, well, luckily, none of us would ever be so stupid to connect our thermostat to the internet so that it could possibly be monitored by, by the cable companies at which we all subscribe so that they could automatically change that for you. Surely we wouldn't be so dumb. <laughs> You see what it says right here? Energy Star re recommends bumping it up to 85 degrees when you're out and not in the house and 82 while you're sleeping. See, I didn't make this up. I didn't make that it up. so bad. That's not yes. going to work for me. No. I would have to reacclimate. You know, I have friends that have like spent some time in Iraq and they came back to Arkansas and wore long sleeve shirts in the summer in Arkansas. That's crazy. No, but he was no, He got so hot that he was, he, I mean, he was reacclimating basically to Arkansas weather and he was chilly in the 90 degree, 100 degree heat. So, I, I mean, if that happened to me, like I would have to totally go and reacclimate somewhere for a while. And then I could probably pull that off. But it would take like a couple of years of this. So I wear sometimes loose fitting long sleeve clothes in the summertime because I don't like the sun hitting my skin. The sun oh, actually yeah. makes me feel ill. So the more, the more I'm away from the sun, the better. So I, mm -hmm. I wear long sleeve, like flowy shirts, white. So that way yeah. that doesn't hit my, because I, it just makes me feel sick. The sun actually makes me feel nauseated. I wear as but little no as possible. about us in our heat <laughs> and me feeling sick. What they care about is what's going on in the housing market. Yeah. And right now, um, you talked about it. I'm going to talk about it right now, is uh, that commercial properties are going to be turned into residential real estate. Yeah. So we're going to get into the article and uh, we're going to, going to show it right now. Thank you, Ray. Um, I'm sorry. Thank you, Lawnmower. He shared your chair channel. Ray's oh, that was nice and lawnmower. Really and he's nice. going to pull up that article for us right now. As a mess of stuff. Look up the, This Week in Real Estate. That's really yeah. the Yeah. This Week in Real Estate is the, the podcast. So uh, office to housing conversions are on the rise. Transformative underutilized office space and living space can create uh, needed housing inventory. But that's not easy. Some cities are trying to, uh, trying to chance at that. So I, I don't know if you saw, there was another article. I put it on my uh, community page on Monday. It was about in Boston, they're going to be turning a lot of the commercial real estate into residential housing. What do you think yeah, about it so far? I mean, I think that's the, the, a great solution for it because, you know, you have downtown condos and you have some really um, attractive properties that, uh, you know, are kind of in those same positions as far as location goes. The difficulty is retrofitting these office buildings to be appropriate, I guess you could say, for residential life. You know, you think, well, there's a whole bunch of offices. Just turn that office into, you know, a, a room so that somebody's got like a studio apartment. But then you you have to put stuff in there that they cook and you I have mean, to put sewage and you have to put plumbing and waste and air conditioning or not. Uh, I mean, you, there's all not. kinds of things that you have to fit in there and in order to do that you're essentially ripping each floor down to the studs and even multiple floors because you can't just like you can't bring in i guess they're probably going all electric but you can't just bring in all that you know the the water for instance from nowhere it's got to come from somewhere and you can't overload the one toilet that is on that floor for the whole office to use during the day when and also you have to consider you not only does the building itself 
has to be retrofitted, but the city has to be ready for it because now you don't just have a couple of people every hour in there flushing. You have hundreds of people flushing, taking baths, taking showers, running right. sink water, washing the dishes. And this creates a huge issue for overloading the pipes that are under that office building. So there's a, there's a ton of consideration. So I think it's going to be a very small percentage. Um, I don't know if you know Jack Adderidge, but he mentioned that he saw a study that said about 30% of these office buildings are ready for this type of retrofit. And the others would have to be so significant that it's almost not worth it. Right. Um, well, what I was thinking in my brain is I, like, uh, at first I was excited, but then second I was like, and then I wasn't excited because most likely because of the cost of converting these offices into, you know, livable spaces is going to be so high that they're just going to be luxury. They're going to be high end luxury apartments. They're It'll not be a full be, floor apartment. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, or something does, or similar to that, you know, absolutely that doesn't help. nothing to relieve the housing issue. <laughs> 100 that's what i'm thinking it doesn't yeah. help anybody it does no. it won't help anybody that's what my feeling is i could be wrong about that but the the thing is is that it does help the businesses that are around that area so right. i mean there's like there's so many areas that are suffering business wise because people aren't going back to the office and so all these spaces are empty and so the restaurants aren't as busy and the grocery like all those little areas that were booming because people were working in town are starting to suffer because nobody's coming back to the office like they used to. So right. um, it could help that. But if you're only going to put like, you know, three people on one floor or three apartments on one floor, that isn't really going to help anything either. Yeah. So I don't know. This could all backfire. My a good friend of mine, Ken Amar is a, um, he's a real estate agent in Washington mm -hmm. and he also owns coffee shops and they basically bought and took over a coffee shop right at the beginning of the Saw that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he mentioned, which I thought was interesting because I was thinking like, well, hey, isn't this going to help you whenever we, you know, have more residents in the area? He was like, well, actually, over the last couple of years, more and more people have been coming back. And so they haven't, he thought, well, having a, having a coffee shop near all these office buildings, I'm going to get all the people from the office to come in. But mm -hmm. now that so many people are working from home, he's had people go into town just to spend some time at the coffee shop and to take a look around downtown. So he is getting a lot of business from just being downtown, mm -hmm. even though it's not necessarily from the office buildings being full. So if they did something like, I think, like you said, it's going to be luxury. I don't see a way around that. I don't see either. Cause I like years ago, um, Rhode Island and Rhode, I think it was Rhode Island, maybe it was New York. They had taken an old, um, mall shopping mall and turned it into uh housing but the but they had it set up perfectly the way that they had done it and since the building was kind of old and stuff it wasn't that hard to retrofit it you know with the pipes and everything yeah. um it was much easier for them to do it but uh, the, i don't uh, it was only a two-story building so that that isn't that difficult i don't think malls are as difficult to retrofit as like a, like a building like this, like a high rise. We actually like, have a mall here. I think it's called the Main Street Mall, mm -hmm. which has been relatively untouched since the uh, late 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of companies that are in there. And this week on the 28th, they're holding a mall party. And it's like this huge dance party that is 80s and 90s themed because 
like you could go to the little food court and it has the neon. It's got everything that's like original 80s and 90s in there. And there's mm -hmm. only just a couple of little office spaces. So I don't know how desirable. I mean, what I think it's going to be like, um, you know, sometimes you can go to these downtown places and you see at the bottom floor, you see offices and then you see condos and townhomes, townhomes above it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the malls are going to become where you have a mix of commercial office, some pretty cool places, maybe a couple of restaurants. And then on the upper level, you have all the, all the housing. That's what I've suggested. I think they should turn yeah. them into adult facilities and have all medical at the bottom. So that way they could get to their doctor's appointments without having to go in a car. That'd That's what cool. I suggest. Assisted living types facility. That'd be amazing. We got a hundred dollar super chat though. Nice. Yay! Thank you so much, Johnny O. He's such a great supporter of the channel. He comes here almost nearly every week just to say hello and, and give us a nice little uh, help to the channel here with a $100 Super Chat. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. I'm sorry. Now go ahead, Jeff, uh, there, Ray. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know who doesn't care as much about uh, housing? Because I saw some of the comments about, we'll just have one bathroom for the floor and have multiple people using the bathroom. And that kind of sounds terrible unless you're a college student and you're used to it. So I wonder if they could put uh, universities and classes and stuff like that on the bottom of some of these and then have the housing right on top. Well, um, if you ever went to UMass, like that is very similar to UMass. <laughs> you know, it looks like a little yeah. city within the city. And yeah. that's pretty much what they do. Um, that wouldn't be bad. That's a good idea. Yeah, no. You could turn a whole university into the little city area. And it would that would help uh, all the local businesses as well because college students don't want to do anything for themselves. <laughs> you know, they're like, I don't want to cook. I don't want to. I want to do any of that. You know, the old University of Phoenix can finally get a brick and mortar. <laughs> no, no. All the online classes. Um, Snipe, Snipe, Cerber says. Synth, thank you. Synth. Yeah, there you go. We need a dorm style living for people going to local community oh, yeah. college. Well, there. Oh, there. He just said it. He just said Ooh, it. Yeah. We're mind melding. Yeah. <laughs> Which are down in enrollment because there are way too many homeless uh, college students couch surfing. That's a big problem. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't like, I don't know if Eddie wants to pull up this article, but I'm probably going to talk about this in a video. But uh, because of the cost of, um, housing getting so crazy uh two things one some cities don't like the fact that people are renting renting from other people's houses so they have abolished roommates you can't have roommates oh yeah sublet yeah sublet you can't you can't have a a, a roommate in your house you know and i'm like who's gonna enforce that like who how, who do you know who how do you know who's living in where and who's like, I'm sure there's always some, you know, person in the, you know, in the neighborhood. They're like, they don't rent from there. You know, they're, blah, blah. but I, to as me, soon as, there's, as soon as it goes before like people's court, that's where they figure out, you know, I was renting this room to this person. Like, oh, you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, it seems to me that's like crazy, you know, like everything's so expensive. People are trying to find out creative ways to kind of at least save some money or, you know, take some weight off their shoulders. And all they need is a little, is a roommate renting out a room for a couple hundred bucks a month. And that helps the person renting and it helps the person that owns the home. I don't, I think that's a stupid rule. And well, this, California went the opposite direction. Which, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. They said now you can have, multi-family can house hack you can adu everywhere basically yeah you could tear down your house and make it into a triplex yeah 
<laughs> they that's, they allowed that. That's wild. Yeah. Um. Although before we get to Peggy's question, one more thing that, that I saw, uh, Eddie actually shared this article with me. It was uh, about parents saying, well, look, I know home prices aren't going to go anywhere because there is no supply of houses. My kids would have, been able, would have been able to afford this house if the interest rates weren't so incredibly high. We're going to go ahead and buy this house cash for them. Once the interest rates go back down, then they can, they can finance the house. What do you, have you seen this? Yes, a little bit, but I, uh -huh. you know, uh, the big thing right now with elevated rates, there's a lot of real estate agents and you've probably already addressed this on your channel before, but a lot of real estate agents are out there saying like, marry the house, date the rate. And that. and that, that only works if the rate actually does go down. And mm -hmm. so I was talking with one of my clients about this and he was like, well, what are you really supposed to do? Because we would refinance if the rates went down. I said, well, don't buy something you can't afford now. Because mm -hmm. if you buy something at this six and a half, seven percent range and rates don't go down, he said, we got a bad deal. I was like, no, you bought at the most recent low rate and mm -hmm. you're in a new house. So yep. if if you're buying right now, you can't buy thinking they're definitely going to go down. Mm -hmm. it's, and it's the same if you're a parent. It's the same if you're an investor. It's I mean. You can't know for a fact the rates are going to go down. We know the Fed's going to raise rates two more times through the end of the year. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with the economy. We don't know if there's going to be a war. There's just so many unknowns in the future. You have to plan as if nothing's going to change and get a fixed rate. And then if something changes, great. We can all melt from the heat. <laughs> we can all melt from the heat. Oh, go back to Peggy's question there, Eddie, and then we'll we'll because I we it was put up on the screen. I didn't get to answer her question. So Peggy says, can you explain what a prefab is? I got a difference between manufacturer and modular. Thanks. So prefab is another word of the, like they use for um, marketing, right? So it just sounds different and, you know, more modern-ish. Some prefab homes, that means that they've, the walls have been put together in a factory and all the pieces you're putting together yourself with a contractor. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it will, once it's put together, it meets modular specifications. And you have to make sure that when you're buying with this prefab house, that it will meet or, uh, your regulations in your area, your building codes in your area, or at least go above those regulations and codes in your area. I found for myself that when I'm researching these things, most of the time with the prefab companies, they do not meet local uh, building codes. They do not even meet modular building codes. They do not meet manufacturer building codes. It's just a shell of a house and you have to do a lot of work to get it to that, to that building code level. Hmm. So that's what prefab means. <laughs> yep. Roger Wakefield's in the house. I don't know if you know who Roger Wakefield is. That's the expert plumber yeah. right there. Yep. That is the expert plumber right there. He's out of Dallas, Texas. He I love the stash. He's all over the place, man. Like he, he, he's at real estate conferences. He's, he's, he is a social uh, media phenom. He, he, he knows it all, man. You want to get into a I deep conversation about uh, analytics and stuff like that? Go to talk to Roger. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's the dude. <laughs> he's the dude. Um, Eddie, go back to that um, article that we were talking about the, uh, the top of the top of the show here. Because I kind of like went on a tangent, <laughs> went on a tangent and didn't finish the article. 
<laughs> I bet he, a poor thing. He probably closed out the tab. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. There it is. All right. Let's scroll down a bit. Yep. Oh, look, Crow Homestead's in the chat, too. Okay, in 2023, is seeing a significant jump in conversions as office vacancies remain high. The process can be costly, but smaller, older properties in the right locations are good candidates for investors. That's exactly what we said. The older yeah. ones do better. Yep. Small state and local governments are looking to ways to make a conversion process simpler and more feasible. Yeah, because there's a lot of red tape involved, too, because of uh, zoning. So they... Uh, the pandemic changed how Americans work, create opportunities to convert underutilized office buildings into residential spaces. A recent report from the commercial real estate investment firm CBRE found that these building conversions have gained momentum in 2023. The report estimated that 99 conversions are either underway announced in 2023 by comparison between 37 to 43 conversions were completed in the last five years. So that's pretty interesting. So they're really, they're really looking into this. This isn't just them flapping their lips. Yeah. I've been waiting to see building permits. Like when, when are those permit conversions and all that stuff? When does that happen? Because I think that's the real sign that it's getting underway. Yeah. That and, and rezoning. Yeah. That too. That, that's rezoning a big... and permits. It's a, right now it's a lot of theory. <laughs> yeah uh, we don't really know yeah <laughs> yeah and it's mainly it's got to be office stuff you know retail is still doing good but the question is on these properties are there office buildings that have a higher highest and best use for retail uh, i guess there's some retail that's not doing so well thanks amazon but uh there's still well, like in our in our city there's some downtown retail that's doing pretty well and you know little shops and things like that yeah, but what would you do with these old, like, for instance, you know, you go into some of these cities. I mean, there's some big, big buildings. What do you do with them if they're not offices? And I, and yeah. we have plenty of offices around here. That's oh, you know like, what you do with them? What? Government. Government yeah. buildings. They become FBI offices. Ew. And I, I'm telling Ew. you, I guarantee you. You would literally have given me heartburn instantaneously <laughs> as soon as you said that. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, but IRS, you know, 87,000 new agents need a home. <laughs> oh, God, you're really yeah. giving me sickness. <laughs> just saying, that's that's the most likely candidate for a lot of these places because the economy's not doing well. Yeah, while 2023 is expected to be a busy year for office to residential conversions, the office vacancy rates is rising even faster. The report noted that Every uh, planned conversion happens along with the ones that have already taken place um, since 2016 is about 2% 2 or 91.1 million square feet. Why was that a statistic? That's a weird statistic. I'm just 91 million square feet. I guess people that's not really tracking the square footage. Those yeah. Commercial of investors know. Yeah. Of office space will be removed from the market. So they're saying that 91,000, 91 million square feet of office space will be removed from the market. While that's a significant amount of space, the office vacancy rate during the third quarter of 2022 was more than 17%, nearly a 30-year uh, high, according to the CBRE. Many of these conversions are taking place in coastal uh, coasts and northeast, particularly with older office buildings, according to the report. San Diego, Boston, which I was telling you about, Manhattan, Cleveland, Philadelphia have completed the most conversions in the past seven years. Boston and San Francisco have the most new projects underway. That doesn't surprise me to me. Like I, I was yeah. telling you that it was a lot. It's a lot easier with those older buildings than it is the, for the more modern buildings. 
because yeah. some of them have already been retrofitted because some of them weren't didn't even have indoor plumbing at one point. <laughs> you know, some of those old buildings never had indoor plumbing, so they had. Yeah, a, that's true too. They had to they had to convert them over. So I, I guess I think you're seeing the most populated areas kind of take their first shot at it. I mean, we don't have a ton of office buildings to begin with, so you know, it would be not it wouldn't make very much sense for us to convert an office building and be cheaper just to build a new building here. But your area is much like my area. We are strip mall city. And there's lots of yeah, strip malls of that those. are tons that are sitting there with like the, I mean they that's, end up looking like trash. That's an even better question. What do you do with strip malls that empty out? Because that's not gonna make good residential living. No, but what do you do with them? Like hmm. like uh, to me CrossFit gyms. <laughs> Just empty them out. Uh, <laughs> right. But I mean, we, 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 we need more, like the baby boomers are getting older. We're going to need more uh, adult facilities for, you know, for them. Why not turn those into uh, elderly living? Uh, like, a, like, you know, like a, what do they call those things? Residential, homes. not a nursing home. No, not like a full on nursing home. Assisted living. Assisted living. Assisted yes. Assisted living. Assisted living. Yeah. And then you, if it was a strip mall, you could have like the assisted living facility, but then you could have like in those little uh, areas around there, you could have medical facilities, you know, for mm -hmm. heart, lung, you know, all those things. medical, uh, turning strip centers and strip malls into medical. Facility. I can see that happening for sure. Yeah. 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 That could, that would happen. That makes more sense to me. Cause I, yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything else you would do with them. I mean, you could you just hold on and wait until, you know, the what ten years when it all turns around again. Uh, I mean, what? like, how long uh, is the wait? Is it ever going to turn yeah, around? I think everybody's getting more now? to the point. Like, I don't go shopping. I'd rather die than go shopping. Like, you I can't, you also don't go into an office. I I don't want to ever. I've never ever so, again. Never. So what those are the buildings reasons that people go into something. But I'm just saying most people, I think 10 years from now, I think commercial spaces are never going to be the way that they were 10 years prior. It's like that's that ship has sailed. It's done. Yeah. You know, every put, it, like fast forward on all that stuff. We put fast forward on all that stuff because of the pandemic. And then people yeah. saw that it could be done and they were more productive, more productive, making more money for our companies by sitting at home. So they're more willing to put their foot down and say, hey, my numbers were here prior to the pandemic. They were here. You know, you keep me at home and I will do even better than this. You know, they're yeah. they're They have more of a leg to stand on because they wouldn't. Years ago, my husband even proposed this idea to his company and they were like, cause one of their employees was had surgery and he's like, she can work from home. She can do everything. She doesn't want to take short-term disability. If we give her the computers and stuff, she'll do it. And she did. And she did better numbers at that time. And she's like, I really like to stay at home. And they told them, no, and he was like, I've proven it works. Why won't you let her work from home? Like she's cranking out numbers. Like she's never done. Yeah. It's the, I, I think some of this is pride. Um, but there's also the, there's the philosophy that in order for people to be connected to the company, they have to be connected to the physical office. And I, I think that will run through until maybe my generation gets older, you know, the millennials, I think a lot of millennials were still in office spaces, but they're like, Oh, we can totally be mobile. And yet they go be mobile and they don't really hit the production. Not all of them hit the production level. I think that they should. And the big test um, you know, through the pandemic, we got on the other side of the pandemic, everyone was working from home and people were like, okay, now everyone's going to continue to work from home. But my 
my point or contention at the time was only if everyone working from home can keep up with the numbers that they once did when they were in the office. Mm -hmm. And if the company can feel like they're as efficient as they are, if they were in the office and there's a lot of people that want to, you know, there's a lot of real estate agents like this too, that don't really believe in the cloud brokerage and I call it cloud culture. But if you, if you do get involved in a company that has a very strong cloud culture that connects people through Zoom calls and it's not a wasted Zoom call, they're not just calling and going over something that could have just been emailed to people, but it's a real connection to the rest of the whole culture in the company. And you do have a back office where people are dropping questions and having great discussions. Then I think you have something that can outlast brick and mortar in your case. But if you don't have that, and you're relying on the brick and mortar community, you can also have a toxic work environment that is brick and mortar. So just because people are showing up at the office doesn't mean it's gonna be a good experience for anyone. Yeah, well, most of those meetings, cause I, I, hear, I hear it. A lot of those meetings are people that just need to hear themselves talk like and then they say all these ridiculous things you know we're we're in the bottom of the ninth guys so we're gonna have to really like you know pump, pump yeah. up the steam and get these numbers cranking up i'm like what is he talking numbers. about shut up why are you having this meeting you know like oh that kind of stuff drives me nuts you know and i don't think that uh, there's no culture of office where you have to sit there in there's no difference of you sitting there listening to that nonsense at home or listening to it in the office, except for now your boss can see how uncomfortable you are saying those ridiculous things out of your mouth. That's the yeah. only thing that's different. And I think that a lot of these companies insisted that they came back because they had big time leases on these buildings and they have to justify having the building. And so well, they're like, now, you have to come back. You have to come back. And those companies have the loans on the property, right? these huge mm -hmm. loans on the property and right. they would love to refinance them. But now the value of that property is dropped. dropped. So the bank is not going to agree to refi. So now the, the property is worth, you know, half of what it once was. What is the, what's the company going to do? They're just going to say, well, here are the keys and the bank's going to have the property and not be able to do anything with it. They're not going to recover the money. So that's the, if you want a YouTube crash scenario, which no, I love talking about, yeah, that, it is, makes more sense that is the scenario. Yeah. yeah. It makes more sense because there's a lot of commercial property. There's numerous commercial. Are there, I wonder what the statistics are, like commercial to residential. Like how many more or less commercial properties are there to residential properties? It'd be interesting. Well, uh, we need that square footage number again. Now, they said, <laughs> they said that 2% uh, were being converted. Or uh -huh. we're ready to be converted. That was that, previous, and then then there. Yeah, we'll, I we'll I see. Yeah. Well, they said they said that there's like 17 percent vacancy, but if two percent are converted, that's still a 15 percent vacancy. So it's it's a it's a solution. Converting to residential is a solution for a very small portion of these office buildings. I think. And it's going to be for the wealthy. Yeah, and what Synth is asking. So, what can we as regular citizens do to get zoning stuff changed for the better housing choices? Show up and first. We are all mm -hmm. regular citizens, but mm -hmm. you know, I think you get a vote and make it an issue in your area. Yeah. Um, and I also think you have to help the supply side economics and not the buy side. And you know, it's kind of hard to think about because we're all like, Well, I want to help these people that can't buy a home buy a home, right? That's what we want. We want to help people that have a hard time buying a home. Let's help them buy a home. 
Let's give them some money. Let's give them some incentive. Let's get them something so that it encourages home ownership. But there's not enough there's inventory. Nothing to buy. <laughs> there's so nothing for you, them to buy. Yeah. So for years, they've been encouraging people to buy and helping people with grants and programs and all kinds of stuff to get people cost. to buy, 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 buy. And that is great. I like home ownership and I think it does tend to build wealth over time. However, if you don't do anything to incentivize the supply side and the cost of labor, land and materials have all gone up, up and away. Now you have builders that refuse to build affordable housing for most. You have builders that are building in a price range, which is mid to luxury, so mm -hmm. that they can make enough money off of it so that they can live their life. Right. I don't blame the builders. They have no, no. incentive to build affordable homes. None and if they at all. If, if they gave them um, like less red tape, they helped with the development part of it, gave land, not gave it, but there, there's government land that they could sell back to developers for uh, below market price easily. I mean, they're just sitting there vacant. There's tons of them, yeah. even in Boston for that matter. And then um, opportunity then zones were a good start, but I yeah. think even that has run out now. And then totally um, sure, tax but. and then tax incentive, uh, tax incentives for you to do it. Then, mm -hmm. um, you know, like if you build X amount of affordable homes under this price range, then you get a, a tax in, an incentive for your for your company. It should be That's, a calculation based on the median income in the zip code. Right. What? Well, yes. See, we're solving world problems here, yes, Ray. Why are. aren't they listening to us? <laughs> I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Joe. We'll see if I can get Joe on the phone if he remembers where he put it. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> it says question up at uh, city council meetings. Where? Oh yeah. So like yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. So in my here, we don't have counties. We call them parishes. And you, I can watch our um, parish uh, meetings every week. So they have planning and zoning. They have everything. It's live on YouTube. So when everything, anything's coming up that interests me, I'm like literally zoned in listening to it. It's like nice. listening to paint dry. But at least I know what's going on in my area. And if anything needs to be brought up, like tiny home building or anything like that, that's when I kind of like start throwing in my two cents and showing up to those meetings. But a lot of them don't pertain to us. You know, like a lot of those meetings are just, again, a lot of people wanting to hear themselves talk, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's some good stuff in there and, and it helps. They also have like these meetings where you find out what's going on between neighbors and everything. Like they'll have like a problem. The city will have a problem with something that lives in the area. And then they're trying to decipher what a law means on the books. So that council meeting is all about that and how they're discussing how like how this fence was supposed to be X, Y, Z over to this line and how there has been confusion and it was built the wrong in the first place and how they they figure that all out. Everybody should pay attention to those. It's fascinating. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of fluff in there. Don't get me wrong. But if you <laughs> most likely, most likely your area has somewhere that it's live streaming those council meetings and parish meetings uh, for planning and zoning, just tune in, subscribe to it so you can see it comes up on your phone and you can start listening into it. So you understand what's coming to your area. Cause I'm not like, I personally, I'm not a big fan of build to rent housing with those big corporations that own entire neighborhoods that are building these houses. And a lot yeah. of other subscribers aren't either. 
So I always tell them, go ahead and start showing up to your planning and zoning meetings, but you don't know when those are, when those are coming up. So you have to get the calendar in your local area to find out when they meet. And then you can find out when those live streams are. So, sorry, I was on a tangent there. Whew. No, that's a good tip. That's good. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're awesome. Like, I bet I think you, you have can make it with, with any local elected office. I think you'd start to make it an issue, you know, send your emails, send the letters, get more people to do it. Start talking about the issue. You can't just like, you know, one single email or one single phone right. call is probably not going to make a bit of a difference. But if you start talking about it with your friends, family, neighbors, hey, here's what's going on. I don't know if you know this, but there's a massive shortage of supply. Builders aren't building in the price range where most people can afford it. Then, you know, you, you have to start that conversation somewhere. Right. I, I said in one of my videos, become the person that they groan when they see you. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like oh god yes. here she comes but you're gonna be that's, so loaded i feel like with that's how my local board feels <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be so loaded with information though about why you think this is terrible for your or or even good for your neighborhood or your area and so you can just lay down the line man you know they true as much as they like people say oh they don't want us to be informed when they when you are informed and you come in with facts you'd be surprised they were like well i didn't i had no idea wow this is this is great. You know, this is really good information because you might even change their minds about some stuff, especially if when there are only a couple of weekly YouTube channels they could tune into Christine. <sighs> I know, I know, I know, but if I only. listen to it. Like I'm cooking, I'm cooking dinner and I'm listening to those meetings. Yeah. Sometimes they break out in fights. I mean, it can be really, really? it's really, Oh yeah. Louisiana, like, man. That's good. That's good. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's all like that though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you Who, live. Who's the Louisiana characters? The Thibodeau and um, yeah, and Thibodeau is that it? Boudreau and Thibodeau, yeah. Boudreau and Thibodeau, yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. There's something for everyone to Google. Yeah, and then there's all these jokes about it, and like they they yeah, try to tell hilarious. me these jokes, and I'm like, when are they funny? I, I'm still waiting for one that's funny. So, anyways, remember how uh, clean air was uh, when we were in the lockdowns? Yeah. San Francisco, Los Angeles looked like different cities. Yeah, even Italy, they had the canals were so clear that you could see yeah. the fish coming through. I that's the other thing too. So I mean, whether you believe in climate change or not, the environmental impact of cars is obvious because if you look back at the pandemic, people weren't driving their cars, and all of a sudden we had clean air again. Because of this, could it be possible that companies are might be required to make more people work from home so there's less cars and emissions in the air? Do you think that is a possibility? I think that's a better idea than forcing people to buy electric cars. I, I, I don't. I'm not a big idea. fan of the electric car thing. Like I'm. I'm really not. Like. Well, I mean, I, the electricity is not. Where do you get it from? It's well, the like it's not. It's not magic. <laughs> well, yeah, so, no, it's, it's the batteries too. Yeah. Those lithium batteries. Yeah, we're going to like when those go out, you're just let that stuff just ooze into the environment. Oh, that sounds that sounds really I awesome. I just shoot it into the sun on one of Elon's rockets. That's not going to well, cause any That's problems. why everyone's like, oh, I'm going to get a Tesla. It's going to be safe for the environment. I'm like, but how is it powering it? Oh, there's 70,000 batteries in that sucker. <laughs> and then they've got this lithium oozy juice everywhere and you know like how That's many of those electric bumps? yeah yeah totally <laughs> uh, and, but you think about like how many people have had those um like electric scooters blow up from the lithium batteries yeah where do you like do and you think everybody's going to dispose of their lithium batteries correctly oh give well, me a break away. Put them in the regular landfill. You can't put it in the regular landfill because you can't have that stuff leaching into the ground groundwater. Oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Oh, you know people are doing that. 
it's just two oh. or three generations and this whole thing's gone. So enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I... Here's your existential crisis for the day. <laughs> well, I, I, I really do think that, you know, there's there's got to be a better way to build homes, which I believe can be solved with modular home construction. I think it's a good step with the uh, converting some of these uh, commercial properties into some kind of affordable living process, but it's going to be more expensive than people think. It's not a like flip the switch and it's done kind of thing. Um, if we can build more, we can actually do it less. Uh, we can do it more efficiently and less expensively if people would and developers would adopt modular home type of construction. It, it can easily be done, but it's very hard for a builder to wrap their head around that. They're like, no, I'm not building those series of robot houses. Nope. I've been building houses the same way for the last 30 years. Good. Not going to change now. You know, <laughs> a lot of them are uh, around here. They are. So I don't know. Anyway, I was on a tangent again. <laughs> I wish a developer would create a subdivision with homes ranging from 800 to 1200 square feet. I agree with a decent sized yard so you can grow your own food. I don't need 3000 square feet with a postage stamp uh, uh, backyard. So years ago, they used to make in New Orleans, they still do. All the houses are very actually close together, but they do have like a long backyard so you could, you know, hang out your laundry, you do a little garden. It was just a very thin backyard. My friend who lives in uh, Liverpool, England, his yard yeah. and house is like that. They're all very close together. He barely has any front yard. I mean, barely any. They have a little sidewalk and then the backyard is just big enough for them to do a little garden. Why don't they do that? Why don't they make those kinds there, of homes? There's this show that Katie and I found odd. There it is. Mm -hmm. It only had a couple of episodes that are well i guess actually there's more there's only a couple of episodes available for free online okay it's called big dreams small spaces it's with okay. uh, a famous um what's the guy monty don he's a famous gardener mm -hmm. in europe i guess and he goes to all these places that have uh it's basically like a stall of a home and then it's mm -hmm. got a real narrow small backyard and almost everyone has the same size yeah, and it's all like all these homes are connected, you know, like a mm -hmm. townhome type of situation. Most of them, like a row house, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, which I went to. Uh, what was it, Baltimore? Mm -hmm. I think I was in Baltimore and experienced row houses for the first time. I had an agent show me around, which was really cool. But yeah. The, the I mean the it's nice to think about like hey I wish I could find a small home so I could grow my own food. Most people don't want to grow their own food. Most people just want to be by somewhere that is sourcing food responsibly, right? Most people don't want to live in 800 square feet because they want more space. We all say 800 square. I'll, I'll do a tiny home. Katie and I started building our tiny home. I guess this, how long ago is this? Six years, seven years ago, we started designing our ideal tiny home. And when we got done with it, our tiny home was like 2,500 square feet. <laughs> like That is not a tiny home. But when we, when we said like, well, here are the spaces we want, you know, here's what mm -hmm. we want to have a living room. Cause we'd like to entertain people. Here's the space we want. Cause we got kids and here's the space. And we just tried to make it as small as possible. And then mm -hmm. we got 2,500 square feet. So I think the practicality of it is most people want more space than that. But, but if it was builders. just you, if it was just you and your wife and not your kid. Right? Yeah. Now kid. we're talking super tiny home. We would be very content with that on a big plot of land. though. It, so we yeah, would, but we would run our square, land, right? But if you were, if you were budget limited, 
and you yeah. have the opportunity to live in a neighborhood with 800 uh, square feet to 1200 square feet. It was just you and your mm -hmm. wife. And you, that way you could get your foot in the door into the real estate space. Wouldn't you take that opportunity? Yeah. Yeah, I would I too. So. Even at so, a 7% interest rate, because it would at least get me in the door of real estate. But there are builders that are doing it. We call them budget builders in the business. Where? Right? Where? There, we have a we have a company here that's building homes that are like 1200 square feet 900 to 1400 square feet i think is is what they're building they're small traditional looking craftsman style homes they sell at the bottom end of the market they're budget homes so what we see a lot that. is that you have to maintain that home or it's going to start falling apart around you you of know course. the siding's going to slip and stuff like that well the problem is a lot of people in the neighborhoods don't maintain their home but and so like five years down the road, people buy them up as rentals and we see that happen over and over and over. Would a restrictive HOA make it easier for those properties to stay maintained? I think theoretically that would be a good idea, mm -hmm. but you would just have homes being emptied out and vacant. There were a lot of people that in those budget builds during the downturn that foreclosed. So I think they're kind of afraid to not allow investors because that's probably their way out is to keep no, the home prices I'm, up by having investors purchase for rents. Right, right. No, I, I get that. I'm saying that the people that live there, the, you know, like if, you know, they stop mowing their lawn and they stop maintaining things. So they start getting letters. Wouldn't that be yeah. better? Right. Well, okay. they do that, but they just okay. I mean, that the physical home has to be taken care of because it's such a budget build. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So there okay. are companies, I think Lennar is really cheap homes. Aren't they really cheap homes in small lots? They're not in our market. They're not in ours. The, I think that's the biggest national one. I thought uh, I thought the, the doctor was. DR Dr. Horton, Horton, they're not here yeah. yet. Okay. But they may also be. So I think there are companies that are trying to build them. They're still in, expensive here. They're they're above median price here. Really? They're yeah. in our market, these these folks are way below, but so's the quality. And so that's the hard part to swallow is that you're getting a house, but the quality is it's pretty bad. Mm. The problem with urban gardening is the neighbors use pesticides and herbicides to get on your food, not to mention the soil contamination, older neighborhoods with lead and other contaminants. My, my grandma had a, a house in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that thing was barely holding on by, uh, I think it was the termites were holding it up, you know, because you went yeah. to go upstairs and I'm not kidding. The whole thing was swaying like this. Sway like this. I don't know. Uh, Who knows what was in there? <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, thirties with a twenty dollars super chat. Thank you so much. It says uh, we need more uh, single room occupancy quality. SRO. Single room occupancy. Yeah, they're all gone here in California, and now these folks are living in the streets in RVs. So what is? I don't know. What, I don't know what single room. I assume it is someone renting out a room. Their house. Yeah, renting out a room in their house. Oh, that was that very RV. common. So like, I was my grandma again would rent out rooms in her house. I didn't couldn't believe anybody would rent those rooms upstairs with the <laughs> the comp, but they did. They did. And they would, they had a little side entrance and she rented out those rooms so she could live downstairs, basically mortgage free, you know? Um, I mean, really what's going to happen. So it, the model of fitting more people into smaller spaces in China, they have in gigantic Japan. buildings with 30 to 60,000 people. There's an article on that recently. Mm -hmm. The producer wants to bring it up. 
but the they have entire buildings with like 30 to 60,000 people living in a single building. It's like a city inside that one building. It's a gigantic apartment. All these apartments look the exact same in China. And that's what that solves the housing issue. But it's not like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the quality like, of life there? I was going to say, you live like little wasps. Brenda A. Bear says, what well, became a new uh, YouTube channel member? I thank you so much. So I have to ask you, Miss A. Bear, is it, am I saying your last name correctly? Because here in Louisiana, your last your last name would be A. Bear. But here, uh, anywhere else, it would be Hebert. So I want to know, am Hebert. I, yeah, it's not that. I, I did that. That's how they knew I was. If she's up was north, old. it's Hebert. I yeah. A, I know a guy I was named a foreigner. Hebert. He goes by his yeah. last name. I want to ask you this. How do you pronounce this last name? A-U-C-I-O-N. How do you spell that? What does that say? Aushan? A-U-C-I-O-N? What? Oakwan. Oakwan? Oakwan. <laughs> oh. No. I got that wrong. I'm like, a coin? I'd like. You know, I've been taking French. So I was flipping through the MLS book. This is when we still had MLS book and the internet, right? And this guy was calling about the property on Oakwan and I'm going through and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I said, can I take your number? I'll call you back. So I go into my broker's office and I'm like, I cannot find this property Oakwan. She's like, it's right in the front of the book. It's right here. And I was like, how does those letters combine to spell Oakland? <laughs> like that does uh, not, how is that? No normal, hooked on phonics did not work for the people of Louisiana. No, <laughs> it's like, that's just a, we have a whole side of the town that I live in. It's West Little Rock and it's all, there's all French names. Like my whole, actually my neighborhood is named after downtown uh, New Orleans. So I live on a street that is in downtown New Orleans, you know, with the beautiful decorative tile and all that stuff. That's, that's our whole neighborhood is like that. I love that. That sounds like downtown Disney. You know, they have areas all around Disney that are like different areas of yeah. the United States. So you have like, yeah, a, we love there. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Eddie, did you find that article about uh, th those? I don't know if you heard what, he, what Ray was saying, but it, uh, he, uh, you know what, Ray, if you could find that article and just stick See it in I the private chat. It. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I just think that when it comes to these commercial properties, I think now is the time to start thinking about it before everything goes to poop, right? So you, if you have an action plan in place that you, you can already start showing results. So if the commercial market really does totally completely fall out to say, okay, look, we can start filling it up with these medical facilities. It's already happened in, in Boston, you know, like, or it's, you know what I'm saying? Like you have, I think they should start doing these things now instead of, waiting and saying well let's just see what the market does before we do anything i think that's then it's too late you know and that's yeah. what happens with a lot of areas they they wait until it's too late oh i got it right brenda said i got it right <laughs> brenda a bear yeah that that's a louisiana girl right there <laughs> did did you you find that article yeah right? it's 30 30 000 people housed in one one building that's in that's amazing to me yeah I'm, I'm, i'll end up putting it on, on some screen. kind of fact check website it's i don't really know about this website but it's got mm -hmm. pictures of it so you can see yeah uh christina what do you think about buying commercial offices and turning into a virtual office for others well you know what i, I think this is another trend that's very possible is that Wait, some what? people that are working from home don't have enough space so they would love to work from home they don't want to work from off the office but they would love a quiet space not a coffee shop oh. and they would rent that office out for like a you know a couple hours maybe 
Oh, it seems to be an exaggeration. The fact check says it's only 10,000 to 20,000 residents. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Well, only 20,000 20, 20, is not. Look at the pictures down there though. It's in, I mean, it's just insane how many people are in this thing. So there's a, there's a couple That's of groups a, here. A that lot are of people, 20,000 residents, yeah. 30,000 yeah. is bad. 20,000 is just as bad. It was on CNBC. It says a viral claim. It was actually on CNBC. Last time I saw it, they must have deleted the article. You don't. You can't tell me that the mainstream media <laughs> does things that are completely false, look based on the look investigation. At, <laughs> look at that! Look at that uh, picture, though. That's I know. quality of life right there. Packed up like sardines. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that, so that looks like the, a that looks like a hotel during spring break in Panama City, where I. <laughs> You know, everybody's hanging their towels out those things, <laughs> trying to get them dry. Since says 30K with visitors. Yeah, if everyone's got a friend over. There yeah. you go. Uh, so WeWork is similar to what you're talking about, which somebody, some people are talking about in the comments, <laughs> the virtual workspace. Um, Look at that comment 30, real quick. 30,000 people, three toilets. <laughs> yeah, that's what it would be. These these. So so the there's a couple of people that are creating like really cool office spaces and they're doing okay. But a lot of people are not using them. A lot of people are just working from home still. So yeah, I don't uh, not, I I this is my studio and everything is set up in my office. And when mm -hmm. COVID hit, I decided to build this thing out and make it my primary workspace. And so every day I work from here. Our our uh, we have one team meeting every week, and we get together at a local coffee shop and hang out and have our team meeting. And otherwise, everything's virtual. You know, we're meeting people at their house. We're meeting people at the closest coffee shop to them. It's, do it's you fine for, for us. you work for real or do you work yeah. for real broker? Yeah, we have an office. It's like, a you know, it's a little one room in a big office building and you have access to a conference room if you need it and printers and all that stuff. But we never we never go there. I uh, I really wanted to get a rent a space during the pandemic because it's just between the dogs barking the you know like cats knocking over your stuff and sitting on your computer because they're nice and warm being asked a question and when, like when i'm in that zone i don't know how you are but when i'm in that zone where i'm just like cranking on the computer and stuff like that somebody yeah. asked me a question i literally want to pop my head like i get so like what you know like yes. what is it you want yeah. and then i it's ruined my complete train of like where i was working my tail off that like it was blowing my i really was getting upset during that time and i i was so thankful to have this little house you know this not everybody has that i don't have the little house but i have noise canceling headphones which are amazing right but then they tap on your shoulder and they still step <laughs> on your on your computers and the dogs still have to like go outside and they keep bugging you to go outside it's it doesn't matter there's still there's, there's still, still beings they irritate you when you don't have your own space you know like they <laughs> No, and I get what like the renting of office space is is available. I don't know, me. I don't. I I can't see them turning it into shopping or retail spaces, other retail spaces, converting it to that. I don't know. Warehouse. Don't know. Eddie Smallhorn says interesting. Yeah, <laughs> you Eddie. Don't like to be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would think that he might know. He might have experienced some of that. Well, yeah. Well, uh -huh. he has. He has my old office. The one that had the wood paneling behind it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I know he probably is the same. Feels the same way. You know, I probably irritate him <laughs> when he's at home. 
But usually when he works from home, like I'm in here and he's over there and then he'll call me up and be like, do you want to do lunch? I'm like, yeah, I'll meet you in the kitchen. <laughs> See, I just walked through that door there. I can go have yeah. lunch with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have to do is go right out the door. That's nice. Um, how much did your backyard office cost? Um, that's a that's a loaded question because oh, I, yeah. I made... answer the people, Christina. <laughs> well, well, it's because I made an arrangement with the yeah, the, yeah. the company itself in order to get it. But um, retail, you got a deal. The, she got a deal. Right, the retail cost was thirty seven thousand dollars. That's cool. Yeah, which was great. You know, they even put a little porch on here and stuff. Hmm. Um, it was nice. I still like it. My husband used the planter box and I told him, I'm like, Hey, you got to cover this planter box. It's made of wood. You can't just put soil in there. He's like, no, I poked holes at the bottom. I'm like, it's going to rot. <laughs> it rotted. He yeah, didn't listen to me. Quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to fix that. <laughs> We're going to fix it. Um, yeah. So it was around that much. I don't believe that the company that put mine in is in, in the business any longer. So mm. um, I'm not, oh. I have, I know. It's yeah. hard. See the market. That's what we were talking about. Someone, someone earlier said eight hundred to twelve hundred square feet. But the, the mean, he, this is a different kind of thing. You had to build. You built it yourself. It was a prefab uh, company, so you, you oh, could get all hard. the components of it, and they shipped it to you as like a, a ship, like in a shipping container, and they brought yeah. it to your house, and you put it together. You had to hire people to put it together. It wasn't. Mm. It wasn't a company that built. You know, they didn't have neighborhoods or anything like that. Yeah. It was like a kit. It was a kit house. I just think most Americans have more stuff. If you just take your stuff and try to find an 800 square foot storage unit, it probably won't fit for most Americans. So My kitchen stuff would take over because I love to cook. Yeah. I have too much kitchen See, stuff. I have so much baking stuff. And I mean, oh, just it would, that's, that's a lot of stuff. I just don't see how practically in America that I don't think that's the answer. I think people would rather have a larger space and start to move up than a smaller space and their own space. I, um, the dream theory. for Eddie and I to retire is to have like three tiny homes. He has his tiny home. I have my tiny home. And then we have the main <laughs> tiny home where we have like kitchen and watch TV and stuff like that. And then we can go because yeah. I'm, I'm super messy. I'm a pig and he's like super neat freak. Mm. So he could always mm. have his little tiny home exactly the way he wanted to. And I could have all my piles of crap in the perfect position, exactly where I want them without him feeling like he has to clean it up. So your piling That's system. Yeah, I have a pile for everything. All right. <laughs> Living in Omaha says, uh, knowing what uh, you know, are there any changes you would do differently with your office? Oh, for my little outside office? Not me. Yeah, I think everybody should have, if you're going to make an office space in your home or outside your home, make sure you have internet that isn't tied into the other family members' internet. So mm, that way you yeah. have your own dedicated line that goes to all of your stuff. That would be the, my my uh, advice. What do you say, Ray? I would have finished my bookshelf before wood prices went up. <laughs> the only <laughs> The only thing that's left in my office to do is this beautiful wood bookshelf right here uh -huh. and you can see on the camera it looks blacked out because i have like a little screen there because it's just uh -huh. boxes of books right now uh -huh. so that's the only part i would have finished that uh because i made mine a kind of multi-use like i didn't want just a home office it's only a home office i wanted one that i could also use as a study and so if the kids wanted to use it and come in here and sit and read or if i wanted to come in and sit and read or you know watch something else while they're watching something in the main room we could do that and so we made it multi-use i would just say you know, take advantage of the 
I called, it was really funny. I got a, I got a quote for like four or $5,000 for this bookshelf and it has like a little oh. secret door in it. It's pretty cool. And then I called them to, to do it. And uh, they said, yep, it's going to be like 14. I was like, oh. what, what? And it was because the wood prices well, that it increased. Right. But couldn't you, I mean, this is for everybody to know this whenever you're doing something, can't you go and look at like Facebook marketplace and second, like and look, get different kinds of like bookshelves. So it like, looks yeah. like it all I could, I but I'm OCD. Oh, you have it all perfect. <laughs> I want this. I want this nice. Yeah. I want it to look nice. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody asked me if that was a crawfish challenge ADU. Yes, that's that company. Yes. I can't find their website anymore. It was um, backyardworkroom.com. Uh, uh, the, the website doesn't exist anymore. I haven't heard from them. So. Yeah, they, very possibly. And that happens a lot too. So like bi bigger builders will say, well, you are have the almost identical product to us. You already have a fan base going. We'll buy you out for X amount of dollars. And they're like, I'll take the one son. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I don't have to deal with work workers anymore. Yep. I'll take it. Yeah, it Sign me we're, up. Down, we're down for maintenance is what it says. So I bet they got partnered or something. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah, they probably they probably sold it to somebody that thought, you know, that was like, oh, you're too much competition for us. So we're going to go ahead. And yeah. Amazon. <laughs> oh, speaking of Amazon, I mean, that would be a legit use for those office buildings would be to have some sort of like I would take out several floors and you have a huge distribution center right in the middle of the city with all kinds of stuff that you can. Well, they let their people. employees have toilets, though, because, you know, they're known to like they can't leave. No, the they, this would be a robot center, a fully oh, automated robot. facility. That's where you need to get. Oh, OK. That's so not that's them. not actually a bad idea, because you know how they have these drones that deliver packages. You <laughs> yeah. Just fly right out the side of the building with a package and go go deliver. Yeah, that doesn't happen here in Louisiana. I think they were afraid they're going to shoot them out of the sky. <laughs> Funny how the only time I can't find something is after I try to organize. I, uh, I, 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 I'm messy, but there's a few things that I do like organize. And one of them is the pantry, my, my food pantry. I, and I organize it with all the little boxes, all of them labeled and everything. And nothing infuriates me more than just find my pan. Like right now, my pantry is making me like. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Debbie Brady says, oh, let's do the poll question. So she said, converting offices to homes. 78% of the crowd says yes. Uh, yeah. 76% said no. And 16% said they weren't sure. Yeah. I think, we I think need a to lot of people though. want it, but right. the practicality of it's the hard part. Or Debbie, you thank you for keeping us in line. Because I always forget about that poll question. <laughs> But you know, like I have these moderators. Thank God they look out for mm. me. I'm, I, I have a really good moderating crown, and they always look out for me. And I put the poll questions up there, and half the time I forget that I, I did the poll question. <laughs> Get to the end of the stream, I'm like, darn it, I meant to read that poll question. But Debbie keeps me in line, and Lawnmower keeps me in line. There's a few of them that are here every week that help keep the chat clean because sometimes when we, I don't like political stuff, you know, like when people start like name calling and all that other stuff. I can't, I can't do it. You know, let's have a yeah. legitimate conversation without like name calling. So the, the moderators always make it uh, cleaned oh, no. up. So, yeah. Oh, no. Hey, Ray, did you know that um, if someone was to call me and ask me for a real estate agent, I always tell them you, but do you know how they fill out that form? 
they go to my uh, website, christinasmallhorn.com. Nice. <laughs> they fill out they fill out the form. All they do is hit one of those pink buttons. And if you wanted somebody in Arkansas, the first name that always pops out of my mouth is Ray Allen because he's a friend of mine. Uh, and and um, I'm actually connected with thousands of real estate agents in the in the area. If I can't find your real estate agent, I'm honest with you on that too. I had somebody re reach out to me recently and they wanted an agent that specialized in off the grid properties in Wisconsin could not find somebody to save my life. I didn't know anybody. I, I have agents that work out there. Couldn't find anybody that specialized in, in uh, off the grid properties, but mm. you know, if I can't find you anybody, I'll let you know, but I make sure that it's people that I personally know. And if they end up doing you a bad job, I find that out too. And they're never, they're on my naughty list. They're on my not special buddy list too. So that happens. Never that welcome really here. Never will. Yeah, I always tell people that it's, you know, especially for people like us, it's hard to get on our list. And once you're on our list, it's easy to get kicked off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because you, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. though, because you're putting your name on that. I put my name exactly. on every person that I connect with. And if it, I always tell the people that, like, look, if they do a bad job for you, you have to let me know because I don't want to recommend them to anybody else, you know? And some of the people, who have been very close friends of mine are not on my referral list. 100% not because I I've already been told I've they that's it. I'm sorry. We're, we yeah. can remain friends, but you cannot no longer get my referrals. You know, it happens. It happens we'll go get a drink, but not a referral. Yes. Yeah. I will gladly take you to lunch, but we're not, you're not getting my referrals. So if you uh, wanted to listen to this afterwards, do Ray and I just hammering it out here. <laughs> You can go to my podcast, uh, Real Estate for Everyone with Christina Smallhorn. I am on all the uh, podcast places. If you want to, you can even give me a five-star review on on uh, the Apple podcasts. That would be nice. Helps me out. I really do appreciate it. And uh, if you guys have any ideas for next week's uh, show that you want me to touch on, let me know. Uh, you can email me at info at christinasmallhorn.com. So. Ray, thank you so much for showing up. I appreciate yeah. you. It, everybody wants to listen to his podcast. He has it on Wednesdays. You'll even see me in the chat because I show up there at the beginning part of it. It's this week in real estate. And apparently every time he said tiny homes three times in a row, apparently I show so up on dear. that show. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you have a great show. And I, I enjoy you. listening. I enjoy Thanks. listening to it every single week. I have to fast forward through the first part, though. Sure, I, no, I, 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 like, know. I know. I know. I like to get into the stories, man. <laughs> I got to introduce the people now. We have more people now. So we're doing I'm trying to get like one or two people every show because it's been fun to have the banter of like two people and the perspectives. Your like last, last week. show was so good. That Thank was you. awesome. That Thank was a you. very good show. Very good. Uh, interaction between two real estate agents that had a, a good perspective on what was going on in the real estate market. So thank you very much. Yeah. He's they're knowledgeable. I try to get the, you know, the, like you do, I try to get people that know what they're doing on there. <laughs> yeah. But the, you know what? The, that's the hard part though. Some people, they know what they're doing, but as soon as you put them in front of a camera and a microphone, they can't talk. That's the, that's the old one. You don't want to, you don't want to look at that. I did have one that Susie yeah. woman one that you helped me create, but that's an old YouTube thing. I should probably do something with it. It's just general real estate knowledge on that one. I actually borrowed a clip from that video like years ago. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, because you actually had the, because I couldn't find the post and I would have had to go through a year's oh, worth yeah. of so many posts. Orman posts. So yes. I went to your video, pulled it up, snapshot it, and put it in my video. <laughs> That's fine. That's I didn't, great. You know, I was never going to tell you, but I just fessed up. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I had a couple of people that were like, oh, you're the Susie Orman guy. I was like, oh, well, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, anyways. All right, everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know we went on a kind of a tangent today. We'll get to more questions next week. Actually, we have a lender on next week. His name is Ryan LaRussa. He's right here in Louisiana. He sounds just like Matthew McConaughey. So if you have any lender questions, loan questions, HELOC questions, because we're going to be focusing on HELOCs next week, save them for next week. Ryan will be the one to answer them. I am not the girl for that. So, all right, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye, right? Thank you for showing Bye, everybody. up. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to dance? Oh, look, there you That's go. That's good, yeah. Yeah. Didn't you, um, didn't you, were you in like a drunk acting and stuff? A little bit. A little bit. Growing up, don't you always do that? No. No. Chorus? Chorus? Did you sing? I think you sang, didn't you?